So we are um, studying the Srimad Bhagavatam and we are on the end of chapter 3 which is also in um, the end of the pastime of Ajamila but we're reading some very significant verses at the end of that uh, uh, pastime and so we're on verse Canto 6, Chapter 3, Text 30. Okay, so. Then Yamaraj, considering himself and his servants to be offenders, spoke as follows, begging pardon from the Lord. O oh my Lord, my servants have surely committed a great offense by arresting a Vaishnava such as a Jamila. O oh, Narayana, O, oh, I'm sorry, O oh, Supreme and Oldest Person, please forgive us. Because of our ignorance, we fail to recognize Ajamila as the servant of your lordship. And thus, we have certainly committed a great offense. Therefore, with folded hands, we beg your pardon. My lord, since you are supremely merciful and are always full of good qualities, please pardon us. We offer a respectful obeisances unto you. And in the purport, Prabhupada writes that I will read the whole thing. Lord Yamaraj took upon himself the responsibility for the offense committed by his servants. If the servant of an establishment makes a mistake, the establishment takes responsibility for it. Although Yamaraj is above offenses, his servants practically, with his permission, went to arrest Ajamila, which was a great offense. The Nyaya Shastra confirms Bhritya Parade Swamino Danda. If a servant makes a mistake, the master is punishable because he is responsible for the offense. Taking this seriously, Yamaraj, along with his servants, prayed with folded hands to be excused by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayan. So this shows something about the relationship between a, well, a, a servant and a master, but even even a, a leader, you know, just like, um, it's not exactly the same thing, but it's similar. You know, Srila Prabhupada talks about how uh, if you go to war and you kill many of the enemies, you might get an, an award. But when you come home and you kill one person, you end up in jail, right? Because you're acting on behalf of a higher authority, and therefore the higher authority uh, is taking responsibility for those uh, for those lives that have been taken. Okay. Um, yeah, but but let's look at this. Uh, that, okay, so that's, that's, that's analogous, but not directly the same. But similarly, uh, like even at, at work, uh, although this is maybe cosmetic more than anything else, when someone files a complaint against their supervisor at, in the, in the government, the, if it's an EEO complaint, uh, uh, the, the legal paper says, uh, so and so versus, and then they have the secretary of the interior. The person probably doesn't know him from Adam is nothing, not involved, but because he's the boss of the boss of all bosses, his name is on the, you know, he, he, he has his name and ultimately is on all the legal cases against the department. So here, uh, Yamaraj is doing the, the, the right thing by 
coming with his servants, uh, the Yamadutas, and begging forgiveness. Now, someone who's not a very good person, they throw their uh, people who work under them under the bus, as we say in in this, you know, these days, right? And just let them take the blame. And you know, uh, I know I didn't I didn't know anything about this, uh, you know. But a good leader uh, takes responsibility for the actions of their of their subordinates. And in this case, Prabhupada even mentions that they were following orders. They were following Yamaraj's uh, order. So, you know, uh, where's the... Uh, so, so it's only appropriate that Yamaraj doesn't, you know, go up to the Lord and say, listen, you know, please forgive me, but these guys really blew it, these Yamadudas. You know, uh, I, I can't speak for them. What can I say? So that is one point that we do take responsibility. Uh, if our children do something wrong, let's say they uh, they um, break a break window, window in the neighbor's <laughs> lawn, you know, we, we go with the child, right, to, to ask forgiveness, and, and, and we take some responsibility for that. Mm. So it's also important, I think we spoke about this last week, that we understand that we're representing Prabhupada when we're, be, when we're um, especially when we're out, you know, sharing Krishna consciousness with others and that we need to keep that in mind to uh, behave properly so, because the activities of the, of the subordinate or of the servant, they reflect on the leader or the master, right? They reflect on that. And as Prabhupada said, and how will we recognize your devotees, your disciples? He said they'll be perfect ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Mm. And then finally, the other point made here is that there is a need when we are asking for forgiveness from Krishna or from uh, um, from Krishna or from Krishna uh, from Prabhupada or from our spiritual master or from other devotees that we do it in a sincere way, as Yamaraj is doing here, right? Um, he's, he's begging uh, forgiveness in a very sincere way, and is, um, is, will be forgiven because of that. But, it's, but that sincerity of heart, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, I think we all know people who just at every... You know, fifth, it seems that every few minutes they're saying sorry, well, sorry, sorry, right? They're, you know, and that can be kind of like, you know, the uh, crying wolf kind of thing, right? That uh, after a while, you don't really, it doesn't seem very sincere. So apologies don't have to be numerous, but they should be done um, sincerely. So some thoughts on that? Well, I, I just think this is very true. I mean, because I worked, we had a very hard job, right? But then it, you come to find out that the kind of boss that you really work very hard for is the kind that will go to bat for you. Mm. Stand up in front and say, okay, this was done on, on my watch. And though you will work night and day for that, for that kind of boss. It's just the right way. That's a very good point, yes. And, and the one that throws you under the bus, you do the minimum amount of work you can get away with, right? <laughs> And you try I, to find another job. I was going to say, I, I relate to that point as well. I work in finance and there's like a regulation saying that the CEOs and the chairmen of the business are personally responsible for the accuracy of the financial statements 
I think it came after Enron when all the CEOs, when the Enron went bust, the CEO says, I didn't know anything about this stuff. I didn't know that the financial statements were incorrect. So now the regulations mean that they have to testify. And on the back of all the annual statements, they should say, this is done accuracy. And I agree with the numbers there. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's personally liable. So they go to court if the numbers are incorrect. And you might have seen this in the news and other stuff where, you know, where people, um, uh, where the financial statements are, um, you know, robbed or, uh, people have got mistakes in them. That's why they need auditors to come in and make sure the numbers are correct and to testify against them. Wow. And so they actually are the ones that testify in a court case also? Yeah, the auditors would provide a statement saying, I, ag- I understand, I agree with these numbers, they're correct. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, the auditors can't find some of the, some of the loopholes in the, in the business, you know, so <laughs> the CEO is attested to testify saying, wow. this, this is what I did and this is correct. And yes. they have to stand down if it's incorrect. So, uh, the Yama, so Yamaraj is doing the right thing here, which we would, uh, obviously, uh, assume he would. <laughs> He's following corporate regulations. Yeah, yes. He's following corporate regulations. Very good. I'm sure he'll be very happy to hear that. Um, and then I thought I would just share this. Uh, it's done by a colleague of mine. Uh, well, she's retired now, but it's, uh, the elements of an effective apology. And I, I found this to be very helpful. So she writes that apology is a powerful means for reconciliation and restoring trust. However, sometimes even well-intentioned apologies can exacerbate the, a, a conflict. It may be helpful to consider what elements to include in a statement of apology to make it most effective and constructive. Now, you don't need all of these, but these are some of the elements. So a common understanding of what we did wrong Right? That's the first thing. Uh, when my servants tried to grab the soul of Ajamila, right? Recognition of responsibility or accountability on part, on our part. Um, I should have known that the holy name of Narayana, uh, trumps everything. Forgive the word trump. Uh, then for acknowledgement of the pain or the embarrassment. You know, I, I don't think this would have pained you exactly, Lord Vishnu, but it, uh, I feel that I've, you know, so that might not, that, for example, that might not be, uh, appropriate in this apology. You see how that not every element is always there, right? Because, you know, there's no pain. A judgment about the offense. We were, you know, we were uninformed. We were ignorant. What a mistake we made. A statement that we feel really, uh, terrible that we offended the, the Vishnu Dudas. And as we're going to hear in the upcoming verses uh, for number six, in the future, uh, we will not go anywhere near the Vaishnavas. <laughs> That's basically what they say at the end, right? Uh, sometimes it's helpful to include an explanation of why the perceived offender acted in this way, but it's important not to reiterate the offense or give it a flippant excuse or defensive justification. Um, and of, of course, circumstances are important. What would be a really, what's an element of a really bad apology? Can someone give an example? I would of think, a, you know, if, I, I would think that I always say if someone would make the apology and then at the end they would use the word B-U-T and then add something else. Right, right, right. Okay, very good. Yes, I'm really sorry uh, about that, but 
you know, I was having a bad hair day and like got a flat tire and, you know, right. Or, but you really deserved it because you really acted inappropriately. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Yes. Other, other one is probably like, uh, if you feel offended, uh, please accept my apologies kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. If you're so, if you're so sensitive that you feel offended by that, that little thing I did, you know, okay, then I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. right. Very good. Okay. Um, anything else on this, the, these three points that we discussed, we discussed, uh, uh, how we represent Prabhupada and how the servant, rep, uh, the relationship between servant and master and master taking responsibility or, or leader and the sincerity in which, uh, apologies should be offered. Uh, I think it's important to remember how we represent Prabhupada. Mm. Because, as we're going to find out in some of the future verses, for example, eating meat is not strictly prohibited, but Prabhupada made that extension that really you don't eat any meat. Right. So if we were seen somewhere eating meat, that that's a, that's pretty bad. Right. If you're seen somewhere eating chocolate, I don't think that would get back. You know, <laughs> that's and, not going to get back to you. But, but, but Prabhupada specifically made that extension. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. That, we don't eat any meat. So you don't right. want to be seen somewhere doing that. So if you, you see know, me walking into McDonald's, you should stop me. Right. Well, you could say I'm getting French fries. We're <laughs> yeah, using the bathroom more likely. Uh, <laughs> and David, who, who has some uh, expertise in this field, said an apology may not go over well if the person's nonverbals don't match their words. Exactly. Very good point, David. Thank you for that. Um, uh, yes, you know, it's, 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 what, it, you know, it's like that saying, what you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. But also your body language, right? You can, um, just like we're going to talk about anger in a few minutes or in a little while. And it's hard to hide anger physically. It's even, uh, so that's a very good point. You know, you, you said, I'm not angry. I'm not angry, right? You know, so your word, your, your body language, your tone of voice is saying, I'm totally angry. But the words coming out is, I'm not angry. Mm -hmm. And even if it's, uh, uh, just wanted to give a shout out to UNC Ombuds. Yeah, Prabhu, I saw the, the link was the UNC. Um, Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, well, actually, actually, the, did you go to UNC? Yep. Uh-huh. I, I met a colleague of yours there. Uh -huh. He's working somewhere else now, but he knew you, and because we have the graduate kind of um, school meeting. Oh, yes, I think I know who you're talking about also. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, yes, yeah, so that was on the US, UNC uh, website. And the author was, is, is retired, but she was at Columbia University. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts on these points? Okay. Then let us, uh, continue. We're going up to verse 32 and 33. I kind of put them together. So 31. Sukadev Goswami continued. My dear king, the chanting of the holy name of the Lord is able to uproot even the reactions of the greatest sins. Therefore, the chanting of the Sankirtan movement is the most auspicious activity in the entire universe. Please try to understand this so that others will take it seriously. 
32. One who constantly hears and chants the holy name of the Lord and hears and chants about his activities can very easily attain the platform of pure devotional service, which can cleanse the dirt from one's heart. One cannot achieve such purification merely by observing vows and performing Vedic rituals. I'm going to read both verses and then go back to the translations. 33. Devotees who always lick the honey from the lotus feet of Lord Krishna do not care for at all for material activities, which are performed under the three modes of material nature and which bring only misery. Indeed, devotees never give up the lotus feet of Krishna to return to material activities. Others, however, who are addicted to Vedic rituals because they have neglected the service of the Lord's lotus feet and are enchanted by lusty desires, sometimes perform acts out of, of atonement. Nevertheless, being incompletely purified, they return to sinful activities again and again. So going back to verse... So one thing that's coming up very strongly in both of these purports is Prabhupada's uh, comparison of Vedic ritual ceremonies and bhakti. And here he's even stronger than Krishna and Prabhupada are in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Because here Prabhupada says, there is no, in 32, there is no prophet, however, no prophet, however, in executing the Vedic ritualistic ceremonies. In other places, he'll say, you know, you gradually attain, you can attain Krishna consciousness. But because this is, the comparison is being made to the amazing power of the holy name, Prabhupada's being more in, in emphatic here, no problem. And then at the end of the purport, thus there is no use in endeavoring to travel up and down in the universe. It is better to chant the holy name of the Lord so that one may become fully purified and eligible to return home back to Godhead. That is the aim of life. That is the perfection of life. And similarly, in the beginning of the, the second sentence of the next verse, one may sometimes chant with offenses and sometimes without offenses, but if one seriously adopts this process, he will achieve perfection, which cannot be achieved through Vedic ritualistic ceremonies of atonement. So, um, Prabhupada is so clear here and it's just, you know, it's really, it's a glorification. Sometimes when you, when you, uh, when you compare something to something else, you are glorifying that something else, right? Um, especially, well, it, well, especially, okay, when you're, especially when you're putting something down in comparison, you may be putting something down that's quite, that's seen as something very nice. And then you say, this is so much nicer, right? Like you might say, you know, it's, uh, you're, you know, chanting Hare Krishna is better than, uh, you know, your favorite ice cream times a thousand or, you know, whatever. Uh, that would, that would, no, that's, that's a really, that's the wrong kind because that's totally comparing it to Monday. But it, you understand the idea that we, we use comparison in the world and in our language often to, um, to, glorify something else you know uh her face was as as brilliant as a full moon like that that's not in the way that the holy name is being compared here to vedic 
rituals, but the idea of using metaphors and analogies is a, is a powerful one. Um, and comparisons in this case. So the comparison of, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, Vedic, so many people are into the Vedic rituals, but it's nothing compared to chanting of the holy names. And there's a, a quality to the chanting that is important to bring out this, uh, these glorifications. I hear one who is constantly hearing and chanting the holy name. This is the translation to 32 and hears about Krishna's activities very easily attains a pure, uh, pure devotional service, cleanses the dirt. Uh, and then there was, it's maybe it's the next verse. Oh yes. The next verse. Sorry. Um, so, you know, one might say, well, do the three modes of material nature and material activities always bring about misery? Well, you know, that we can talk about, but if you, in comparison to what a, an advanced devotee experiences when chanting Krishna's name, then everything else pales in comparison. Even the, the, the most pleasurable material activity just seems so insignificant to someone who's really in touch with Krishna's holy name. And so we may sometimes be like that. We may not sometimes be like that. You know, we're, we're on an unsteady platform. But our duty when we're chanting is to make our best effort. And that alone is not easy to do, right? Because uh, I think I mentioned this last week that I was reading that um, the mind, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, says that the mind is a perverted reflection of the, of the spiritual world, right? Because in the spiritual world, Krishna is the center of everything. And our mind tends to make us the center of everything. Um, yeah. And so the chanting is, is the opportunity and the challenge of focusing on Krishna when we're chanting. Because our minds can go all over like a, pinball on a pinball game can go all over the place. Bing, 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 right? You know, just, um, and the challenge is to quiet the mind, simplify the mind and, and focus it on Krishna while we're chanting. And it's a way of undercutting our whole existential existence in this material world. Cause that's ultimately why we're here because we're not putting Krishna in the center of our lives. So chanting is is it, it can it can be a, a challenge to focus in that way. And what, the nice thing is that Krishna often doesn't have to; he's independent, but he often reciprocates with us after some time when we make that when we try our best. That's all Krishna's asking for: that we try our best. We're not we're not going to necessarily start chanting with tears flowing from our eyes tomorrow. But, but Krishna is satisfied when we're trying our best. So some thoughts on, on this point about comparison or trying our best or metaphors, similes? Hare Krishna Prabhu? Yes, Raghunanda Prabhu. Um, I, I, I am always uh, uh, inspired by that word, trying our best when it comes in connection with Krishna because in this world, nobody gives any 
commendations or uh, appreciation for trying our best only result matters but only the results yeah but krishna is not like that he is not like he is not expecting a perfect output from us but output only in terms of our efforts Christ. sincerity yes 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 so that inspires you huh? yep hmm. yeah yeah you usually don't get a, a, a supervisor who says you know you 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 failed miserably in your results but i saw how sincere you were <laughs> it's usually not not the uh case that's quite a background you have mahamantra prabhu that is really bright red with <laughs> the yes prabhu prabhu um i have one uh, question go ahead um is it really possible to delay the frequency of thoughts uh, without engaging in chanting is it possible to uh the frequency of thoughts or you mean like bing 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 like yeah, that yeah yeah um well let's let's first say it's a great question um let's first say that we're not all the same right you know and so you know even like in the ayurveda you have kapha pitta and and vata right yeah uh and people who are more kapha they may their mind might not be as as a as a vata kind of person right you know yeah um so even even with our even amongst ourselves we may but but i think arjuna is speaking for all of us when he says you know or you know that uh, how difficult it is to control the mind yeah chantala himana krishna So chanting is certainly a wonderful and recommended process because it it gives us some it gives the mind something positive to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, right. Yeah. Whereas meditation I mean you know so yes in mindfulness and in Buddhist meditation and other meditations they tell you to focus on the on your breathing. Yeah. Right? and i i and i think people can have there can be some effect you know uh people who perform the very difficult austerity of doing the vyapasana you know five days or i think it's seven days of no talking yeah. right and just sitting in meditation for hours and hours and hours they they get some you know the motive the motive goodness comes and when the motive goodness is there the mind is more pacified yeah so but chanting is 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 so much easier because you're dealing with the person krishna and he yes. can help ananyas chintayantamam right yejana payasate kesham nitya bijuktanam yoga shema mahamayam that krishna preserves what we have he carries what we lack the impersonal brahman doesn't is impersonal doesn't give mercy so it is uh so it's easier um and people get you know when people are practicing vipassana or or quieting the mind or meditation they're getting we talked about this they're getting some taste of brahman mm-hmm. and they think wow this is fantastic so what to speak if they could come in contact with para brahman okay. right so yes there's other processes but you know we have a very very powerful one is that all right thank you okay. anything else or what else one more thought regarding what we discussed just now um 
in all the other process the uh, the uh, uh, everything we have to do it by ourselves but in case of bhakti krishna is there to help us and move, help us move forward that that is a big blessing personally for me because always i in all the other process i have to do everything a to z and uh, i have to be perfect and complete it properly yes very good point um you know the prabhupad gives that like lovely example of uh for those of us who have been to india of uh the bicyclist grabbing onto the truck and just you know not having not having to make any endeavor at all uh andy did you see that when you were in india no i didn't see that uh, 50% of your life is wasted no so <laughs> <laughs> other kinds of unusual i'm sure so yeah yeah but he gives that example i mean I, you know I, it's probably by western standards it's not the safest thing to do in the world yeah but uh you see it all the time they just you know holding on just and just yeah riding along yeah, yeah. <laughs> because but the point is that Prabhupada said that you know so krishna helps the devotee yes thank you raghunanda Other thoughts? Uh, hi, Krishna. Just what is some clarification on one of the bits on the corporate? It says that even if one chants... Which one? Third, 32 or 33? 32. Okay. It says on the second bit, if one chants the Hare Krishna Mahamantra offensively, one can avoid offenses by continuously chanting without deviation. So is Shri Prabhupada trying to say that even if you're making offenses, still continue, still persevere? and uh, ultimately you'll get to a point where you're not making any more offenses exactly exactly and he says that one of the uh he and also i think it's bhaktivinoda thakur in uh, harinam chintamani say that the cure for one of the cures for offenses is constant chanting yes so it's the uh, the worst thing to do is say i'm making so many offenses that i'm going to give up chanting And the love the wonderful thing is that even the endeavor like we were talking with Raghunanda Prabhu just the effort to avoid the offenses successful unsuccessful one is on the nama bas platform which is the middle stage between the offensive stage and the pure stage okay thank you mm-hmm. anything else all right krishna can we go um i don't want to slow down too much but i want to go back uh just a little bit to uh the discussion about atonement i was okay. um a lot how you know a, a a person may not be attached to rituals um or try to make gain by that but just naturally in a relationship with someone else they may feel um you know i really feel bad let me make it up to you um if they out of natural desire they may want to you know perform or or show the other person that they're you know sincerely or truly sorry about what happened i'm i'm not sure um exactly how to fit that in but um is that something that one would consider a natural uh tendency in a in a sincere soul yes probably says that remorse con- enters the i mind of a sincere soul when they make a mistake it's not like but it's not like we want to um 
you know, to, to, to make up some, uh, false austerity or right. something, but, you know, is there a way to show, uh, sincerely that I realized I, I made a mistake and. Yes. Yeah. I, I get the point. Thank you for this because it's really, you're bringing up a really important point, I think. And that is, you know, when we're dealing with Krishna, we're dealing with a person and, and we do see in Vedic literature, so it's there, uh, you know, like, like you're talking about prayaschitta, you know, you, you, you perform this, uh, wrong thing and you make up for it by doing this. And it's almost like keeping score. Okay. Well, I did those three things last week, you know, and when, for a devotee, they don't, I don't think we think quite like that. We, we, you know, we don't want to get into the scorekeeping thing. Okay. Well, I better chant, you know, 3.5 extra rounds today because I uh, took that devotee's gulab jamans before they could get through them well, that's you know, or, or, or whatever, you know, yeah. that scorekeeping that, that kind of, you know, um, you know, say so many Hail Marys and, you know, uh, could even then, right. I think Catholic priests say sin no more, don't they? Mm-hmm. At the end. Is it anyone know? Oh, you're. That's <laughs> the same thing that Jesus said. He said, okay, you're forgiven. Now go and sin no more. So they're yeah, repeating right. that. Yeah. Yeah, something. Yes, yeah. Hmm. Uh, but that's okay. ritualistic, also. I mean, that kind of. Well, yeah. If it's just, it, I mean, yes, because we know what we really want to do is uproot the desire. That's the only way you really become sinless is uprooting the desire to do it. Yeah, and and chanting, and of course, hail Marys and Catholicism. That that can you know that kind of chanting can uproot the desire um so we don't want to so it's not exactly scorekeeping it's more like in terms of um when we offend another devotee getting their you know you're dealing with a person and getting their forgiveness um and we're going to talk for, about forgiveness if we get to it today mm. so i i you understand my point i i don't we're not so much into the the scorekeeping part of it but we want to uh uh, beg forgiveness, hopefully be forgiven, and and really do our best to sincerely not make those same mistakes again. It's a it's a sincerity of the heart that um, <clears throat> that we're, that Krishna is looking for. He's he's bhava grahi janardan, bhava grahi janardan. He he sees the essence of our devotional sentiment. Now that doesn't mean that. We love Krishna, therefore we cut all corners, you know, and we offer our prasadam just by saying, Shri Vishnu, Shri Vishnu, Shri Vishnu, Kabbalah, you know, you know, no, you know, we try, we, you can also show your sincerity in the devotional rituals, right? You know, just like, uh, my spiritual master told me to say, uh, Achman before chanting Gayatri every time. And so, you know, you can say, well, it's just kind of a ritual. No, it, it's actually, you know, a Vaishnava way of purification. Uh, I know I have to polish that, by the way. It doesn't look very polished. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but that's a sign that that's a show of devotion by doing that because, uh, you know, it's not just a ritual now because, it, you know, um, so we like to have the purpose behind 
rituals or behind the things that we do. And that avoids niyamagraha, right? Doing things just because they're meant to be done, but not for spiritual advancement. So thank you for bringing that up, Guru Das Guru. Other thoughts on that point? It's an interesting point. In Judaism, um, you show your devotion to God by doing all the small, rich, all the ritualistic things. But that's, but the idea is that that's a show of devotion. So we want to do whatever rituals we may do. We want to do that as a show of our devotion to Krishna and not just because, oh, if I do Achman, then I'll, uh, you know, um, I'll be pure and, uh, you know, I'll be more cool. And I don't know. I can't think of that's probably a bad example, but you get the idea. Krishna sees I, our heart. I have a quote from uh, Srila uh, Bhaktivinoda Takura, right? Okay, let's hear it. And he, he was, well, I'll paste it in the okay. chat. It's a little bit long, but um, he was very aggressive in prosecuting his, his offenses. I mean, that kind of person is driven, and you can see why they get ahead is because if he noted an offense, he says, next day I'm going to correct that offense, and I'm going to be very careful not to repeat. So, if you have that kind of mindset, you're going to do very, yeah. you're going to do very well. <laughs> yeah, well, he was determined also. Uh, Extremely. Yeah. You can read the quote. The devotees performing sadhana bhakti should always be attentive to the condition of their devotion, perceiving the state yesterday and improvement made today. If he perceives that after some days no progress has been made according to the stages given above, he must understand that some offense must have been committed. Having diagnosed that offense, he should give up that offense and correct the harm done by association of devotees. Continuous, uh, continuously cultivating bhakti and praying to Krishna, he should be careful that the offense does not occur again. Those who do not care to examine their progress will advance very slowly due to the unseen obstacles they have created. Devotees take special precaution in this matter. Matter. So it's it's not scorekeeping, but it's a very attention to yes. watching. Yeah, yeah, very nice. That's very that, another place. Bhaktivinoda Thakur says that every ikadasi, you should see how much advancement you've made since the previous two weeks. So it's very much in the exact same mood of what you posted there, uh, Andy. I've also been reading about reflections of Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj. And he talks about having a, a review, a monthly review, a yearly review, where he goes through a checklist of what is he improved on. And if he doesn't see any improvements, he works backwards to see what he can do better. Mm. It's quite fascinating to see how he does it on a regular basis to try and improve every uh, his spiritual life. He was an extremely determined person. Yeah. Extremely determined. <laughs> yes. And I also, I, I think it's twice a year. Uh, my friend, uh, Vaisheshika Prabhu, he goes on a retreat and just, you know, examines like three or four days with his wife, examines what, what transpired and what they planned for. So just that whole idea of, you know, living the purpose, what was that? The, the purpose driven church or the purpose driven life. You know, uh, what did Socrates say? The, uh, what is it? The unexamined life is not worth living. Isn't it? Wasn't that Socrates or was that peanuts or, you know, or? No, <laughs> I think it was Socrates. <laughs> you never know. You get some really profound things in uh, Calvin and Hobbes and uh, you know, Dilbert. <laughs> okay, so we'll carry on. 
to the next. I will finish this chapter. Text 34. After hearing from the mouth of their master about the extraordinary glories of the Lord and his name, fame, and attributes, the Anadudas were struck with wonder. Since then, as soon as they see a devotee, they fear him and dare not look at him again. Of course, we understand, you know, looking at a devotee is wonderful and thinking about a devotee is wonderful, but because of their job, they, they think, okay, we're not, we're not going anywhere near that devotee, right? But, uh, I was just hearing that when you think about a great devotee, you, uh, get 1% of their qualities. I'm just hearing that. Uh, Sachinandan Swami mentioned that in the lecture. <laughs> He says, so we can meditate on Narottama Das Thakur, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Srila Prabhupada, our Guru Maharaj, Lord Nityananda, Lord Chaitanya, etc. When the great August, great sage Agastya, the son of Kumba, was residing in the Malaya Hills and worshipping the Supreme Personality of God, and I approached him, and he explained to me this confidential history. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the sixth canto, third chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled, Yamaraj Instructs His Messengers. Okay. So, now we have to dredge our memory a little bit to go back to the Prachetas and uh, Swayambhuvamanu's reign and all of that to recall what's happening because the Prachetas went into meditation for a long time and when they woke up they saw something extraordinary so you ready for the fourth uh, chapter okay I guess ready or not right yeah the blessed king said to Sukadeva Goswami my dear lord the demigods uh, demons human beings nagas beasts and birds were created during the reign of Swayambhuvamanu. You have spoken about this creation briefly in the third canto. Now I wish to know about it elaborately. I also wish to know about the potency of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by which he brought about the secondary creation. So uh, secondary is called the Sarga, or, or here Anusarga. So that's generally speaking, you know, what Lord Brahma does. He takes the earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego. And then does the subsequent creation under, of course, the tutelage and inspiration of Krishna. So the next verses, uh, next. Oh, that was one and two. Okay, so verse three. Sukadeva Goswami said, Oh, great sages assembled at Naimasharanya. So first we heard Sukadeva speaking to Prichit Maharaj. Now Sutta speaking to the sages of Naimasharanya. After the, about Sukadeva Goswami, after the great yogi Sukadeva Goswami heard King Priksha's inquiry, he praised it and thus replied. And that's significant, right? We hear that again and again, that when a, uh, that the questions are so important. When you think about it, the questions, you know, what questions we ask change, it affects our entire life, right? If you ask, you know, who won the football match today, you get one kind of consciousness. If you ask, what is the purpose of life, you get another kind of consciousness. If you ask, uh, like Prabhupada said, my only interest is what's in Krishna's lunchbox. If you ask what's in Krishna's lunchbox, you get, you know, <laughs> very special. 
Um, but questions are very, very important. They, they direct the answers you get, right? Very much. They, they, they have a huge influence on, on the whole discussion that you have with, a, with another person. So when a sadhu hears a, a question that gives them an opportunity to talk about Krishna, they become very inspired. So I can tell you um, one thing that doesn't inspire someone, you know, and I can tell you from my personal experience, you're giving a class of whatever, and then someone asks a question that has nothing to do with the class. And okay, it's about Krishna, that's nice. But really, it, it gives the speaker an indication that, well, gosh, did I blow it? I mean, you know what, you know, this has question has nothing to do with what I was speaking about. Is everyone's mind just wandering off the topic, you know, or is this person just not caring about what the topic, you know, so it's usually if there's this give and take of a question at the end of a class or whatever, it's good to make it um, related to what we had just heard. Just a little hint there to inspire speakers. Sukadeva Goswami said, when the 10 sons of Prachini Bahi emerged from the waters in which they were performing austerities, they saw that the entire surface of the world was covered by trees. Because of having undergone long austerities in the water, the Prachetas were very angry at the trees. Now, I used to say, now, should one, should us long austerities increase anger? Desiring to burn them to ashes, they generated wind and fire from their mouths. So they were very powerful by performing those austerities. Um, we want to make sure, though, here, here's the point, the, the pertinent thing for us. We're, sure, we can perform austerities. Uh, we have the Prushottam Mas now. And a matter of fact, I'm, I'm soon going to make a little video. I was asked to make a little video about Kartik, because we have Kartik starting in, uh, in the end of this month. And what should, what, what can one do to make advancement during the month of Kartik? It's a very auspicious month. What vows are recommended? What vows are not recommended? So when you make vows that, when you perform austerities that are not for Krishna's pleasure, that can actually harden the heart. Because you have to be a little tough, right? When you may perform austerities, isn't it? You have to say no to things. You have to exercise your uh, willpower muscle, which only has a certain amount of muscle. Um, so we want to perform austerities. If we do want to perform austerities, we want to perform them for Krishna's pleasure, not just um, for this for austerity's sake. I mean, austerities can be helpful because they, we, we, you know, it's just like a, it's just like when we. When we fast, you know, I think I told you all I did a juice fast uh, about a month ago. And it was, it, 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 I found it helpful just from the simple point of view that every time my, my stomach tells my mind that it's hungry, I don't have to listen to it. You know, that you, you, can, you can live with less than you think. Um, so... It also helps to forget about chewing, Prabhu. Acha. Okay, there you go. <laughs> With the diet. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Meals take a lot less time. <laughs> um, so, austerity, so let's read the purport here. Um, a sadhu, a, oh, this is like the second paragraph after the Sanskrit verse. A sadhu, a devotee, is never angry. 
Actually, the real feature of devotees who undergo tapasya austerity is forgiveness. Now, isn't that interesting? How many people think like that? That the real austerity, the real feature is to be forgiving. Although a Vaishnava has sufficient power in tapasya, he does not become angry when put into difficulty. If one undergoes tapasya but does not become a Vaishnava, however, one does not develop good qualities. And then a little later, Vaishnavas must meet many opponents while preaching the glories of the Lord, but Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recommends that they not become angry while preaching. So we become more compassionate rather than angry. So um, this point about anger and its relationship with forgiveness is a huge point. When I did a uh, a search for anger, the word anger, oops, uh, anger, gosh, I can't even spell. There's 3,478 times it's mentioned in the Veda base. Wow, that's a lot. Um, I did extract a few quotes uh, from Prabhupada's books about anger. I'm going to read a few of them and let's see how they uh, encourage us to have a discussion. As long as one's mind remains an unconquered enemy, one has to serve the dictations of lust, anger, avarice, illusion, etc. Um, but when the mind is conquered, one voluntarily agrees to abide by the dictation of the Lord. This is from Bhagavad Gita also. Akroda means to check anger. Even if there is provocation, one should be tolerant. For once one becomes angry, his whole body becomes polluted. Anger is a product of the mode of passion and lust. So one who is transcendentally situated should check himself from anger. So yes, I'll just pause here for a second because of that sentence. Anger is the product of the mode of passion and lust. So when lust and the mode of passion is not satisfied, we become angry. Oh, wait, there's two people in the waiting room. Okay, now they're not. Okay. Um, just like, okay, so let's, well, let's look at it. Okay, so yes, we say, Kama, Krishna says in the third chapter of the Gita, Kama Esha, Krota Esha, Raja Guna Samud Bhavada. When first you have Kam, you have personal desires, lust, but in its many forms. And then if that's not satisfied, then we become, we can become angry. So it's a secondary emotion based, you know. And when you think about life, life uh, anger is often a secondary emotion somebody cuts you off while you're driving your car you you may yell some choice words at them but your first uh, emotion is fear usually right or your uh, the other example I give is your teenager comes home at midnight when he promised he or she promised they'd be home by 10 o'clock and you're angry at them but your first emotion is probably relief Right. So I actually, I think I have a, oh, no, I do one second. I, it, it, this is just an interesting, uh, because it says it in the Shastra that it's a secondary emotion in that sense, that when lust is unfulfilled. And very much in the, uh, I guess psychology is the word you might use. Um, and in this field, I guess, let's just call it psychology it's also considered in the same way. Here is the, uh, 
Anger is what you see, but it's usually one of these emotions underneath it that trigger the anger. And I think if we think about it, if we think sincerely about our own lives, yes, we become angry after we're, you know, we were overwhelmed, we're grumpy. Uh, I don't know if it has a year, but maybe we haven't eaten enough or, you know, we're just, uh, we're, sh- we feel shamed or embarrassed or scared or whatever, right? It's, it's often the, the, the visible one that is linked to a predecessor emotion. I thought that I would just bring that up briefly because the Gita says the same thing. Okay. Um, so let's let, before I go on to a few more quotes, uh, what are some, th- some thoughts on that point? Well, what is the, what is the teaching here? Because the Prachetas were greater than I'll ever be for sure, but they did all these austerities and they ended up being angered, being angry. It says because of their austerities, they were angry. Yeah, I know. They did it grudgingly? (laughs) Well, we'd have to go back. Um, We have some people here who have really good memories. So how did, was it Lord Shiva who told them to perform those austerities? Yes, Prabhu. Right. And we would, do we consider the Pachetas devotees? Yes. Okay. So it just goes to show you got to be careful, right? Even if you're following instructions, of course, I'm sure Lord Shiva didn't say, oh, go perform austerities, make sure when you come out, you're really angry. Right? Uh, and also, they, they become pacified. It's interesting what, 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 what worked for them. They, they were offered a beautiful wife, and then they become, okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't think we have to necessarily recommend that as a way to pacify everyone in Kali Yuga in, uh, in our situation. Um, but I think the, I think the, the, it's a great question, uh, Andy. I think the lesson is that make sure that we're, that we, for us, that when we're performing austerities, we're doing it with Krishna in mind and not, because otherwise it can make our heart hard. So I can't really comment on the prachetas unless I read something somewhere. I, I might ask some devotees, if they, uh, senior devotees, if they know, but I'm not sure exactly about that, but I can see the lesson for us is everything should be Krishna Sambandha in relationship to Krishna. Other thoughts? Raghunanda, what do you want to say? Later on, I think it comes out that the Prachetas were unhappy about lots of trees because trees by themselves are not useful. Rather, the agricultural lands are useful for farming. So they are reminded that you have already destroyed a, a large portion of trees so you can now calm down and uh, let go. Right. It does say that. It also says some trees are helpful that they're apple tree, you know, tree trees that bear fruit, of course. But yes. Um, so maybe they had to do their duty about maintaining the praja, the citizens. Mm. Yeah, but that still, was in there, but that doesn't justify anger. No, exactly. They can be, you can do that without being angry. Yeah, you, can, yeah. you can do that duty without being angry. Yes. And not necessarily. I disagree with that statement because Prithu Maharaj also was angry at earth and he said like, okay, I'm going to extract all the things that you have to offer to the population of the earth. Because the point that we have to note is 
these people are not controlled by the anger they control the anger so those are two different things uh, normally when i get angry i am coming under the control of the anger that is not good but these people are not getting controlled the once they said like you have to passive you you have to calm down by an authority they immediately stop and come back to normal it doesn't take them for a long time to like wind down they they it shows they are not under the control of anger so your point is they're not under the control of the three modes of material nature yep. so that comes up in the 7th chapter of the first canto where it says arjuna his eyes blazing in anger like two red balls of copper dexterously arrested the son of gotami and bound him with ropes like an animal um so we understand he did that because his anger came out because of the offenses against great devotees right hari krishna yes um prabhuji uh just going off of that um cuz i had a question about that in terms of like is there ever a thing called huh? good anger um as we see you know with the protests that are, that happen or like activism that takes place that could be maybe characterized as good anger so just wanted to hear i mean i know we're kind of talking about that but if you could also sure that's a great that question and, and so arjuna is one example and now let's read even another interesting example this is god himself his anger is not like the oh this is wait a second yeah this is about krishna his anger is not like the anger of a conditioned living being within the modes of qualitative material nature in other words the three modes of material nature because he krishna is absolute both his anger and pleasure are the same his anger is not exhibited in the three modes of material nature it is only a sign of his bent of mind towards the cause of his devotee because that is his transcendental nature therefore even if he is angry the object of anger is blessed he is unchanged in all circumstances so we you know we're specifically instructed to become angry if someone has offended a devotee or or uh we were meant to uh either leave that place or defeat that person philosophically but not just stand by there and say subtik yatto matatat it's all okay well, i'm not you know uh even one time probably got very angry because a person was speaking so ignorantly about krishna and the person said swamiji where is your samadarshana <clears throat> and, and you know where is your equal vision and probably said i am not so advanced to have samadarshana you are a rascal <laughs> <laughs> so when uh so that were specifically instructed to become angry when someone offends another devotee it doesn't mean we you know take out a crowbar and you know but we uh you know usually try to philosophically defeat them and if we can't do that then leave that place but but you understand that that is coming from a place of love because we love the devotees because we love krishna therefore just like you know you you want to get somebody super angry you know they're walking with their three year old no problem you can make them angry in a second just insult their child right or you know kick some dirt in the child's face how how quickly is that parent going to be angry at you like that right in a millisecond so 
Sonam, there is there are times when um, anger is justified. Of all the different things that we say are bad, lust, you know, anger. The one that because you could lust, you could have an intense desire to serve Krishna. But the one that is uh, envy is sometimes explained as the one bad quality that you can't really dovetail in Krishna's service. Okay. So we can dovetail anger in Krishna's service by being angry at people who um, offend Krishna or Krishna's devotees. But how we express that anger, that is, you know, we have to use some intelligence and some um, finesse and some understanding of the time, the place, and the circumstance. Is that all right? Yes, um, Prabhuji, yeah, that, that's very helpful. Um, I think it's what you mentioned, like it's really coming out of compassion. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, so I guess it, those kinds of activities are okay then. Well, you were asking, you were asking about like protests, right? And things like that. And Did like you mention activism. That? Yeah, activism. Well, uh, I mean, that is a big question. And I think, we, did we talk about that last week? I was listening to a really nice talk by Radhika Raman Prabhu about this. And I thought I'd mentioned, maybe a month ago I mentioned it, that he was uh, mm, describing the word karma from two different points of view. That karma means reaction. You know, oh, I have some bad karma. I, you know, have a cold. Or it's also action. Karma means activity. So then the question is, what kind of activities are favorable to Krishna consciousness and what kind of activities are not favorable? Um, we do feel, because a devotee naturally feels empathy for other people, we do feel badly when other people are not treated nicely, right? when they're not treated with samadarshina. And so we can, um, so our protests, like with BLM, Black Lives Matter, um, is we will, we would could stand alongside our African American brothers and sisters and say we believe in samadarshina of seeing all people equally. And and you and we might even say to them if we have a good relationship, you also may have to look into your heart and see if you are treating everyone equally. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, treating everyone equally, seeing everyone equally, we don't necessarily treat everyone equally. Like a devotee makes a distinction between a um, a devotee, an innocent person, and a thoroughly envious person. So they, we do make some distinctions, although we understand they're all spirit souls, all parts and parcel of Krishna, all have a relationship with Krishna. So it's 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 a it's a it's an interesting mindset for a devotee that we simultaneously are practical and see the world and see people for what they are and philosophical that we understand everyone is part and parcel of Krishna. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, we're, if we're up to me and I know the uh, Bhakti Yoga DC devotees have done this on several occasions, I would like to go to a protest and then have a uh, Kirtan as a show of support and as a show of transcendence. But that's not anger, so... No, that's not anger. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a that's, better way than anger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Prabhu, I'm still failing to understand 
the reason for Prachetha's anger, like Narada's anger towards Manigriva and Nalkubara, that's because he wanted to, uh, you know, elevate their consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's a boon in disguise. His curse yeah, was boon yeah. in disguise. Uh, so uh, just by looking at the trees, uh, why did they become angry? And they, they didn't see the trees as souls? Like, I'm a little confused here, Prabhu. I can't say. I haven't read anywhere outside of what Raghunandan Prabhu already brought up. Yeah. I, I'd have to. I'd have to dig a little deeper and see. I could only. I could, they were. Uh, to write after them. They're Chatriyas, right? Oh, maybe that's the reason. No, yeah. no. But am I right, or are they Brahmanas? No, they're. Yes. Okay. So they're Chatriyas, and therefore they uh, are trained to look after the welfare. Of the praja, hmm. right? That's their training. That's you know their training. So I don't. Again, as Andy points out, I I I don't know if we can justify anger, but you could justify springing into action. If if as Raghunandan Prabhu points out, if if the reality is that people aren't eating enough because there's no ar- ar- uh, agricultural land because there's so many trees, you know, you could understand how how did this happen? You know, you know. We, we just went away for 10,000 years and look what happened. So the question is, is not about their action, right? Because their action may be seen as trying to take care of the citizens. Mm -hmm. The question is their consciousness. And I I can't, uh, I'll have to see if I can think of, uh, I'll, I'll, um, maybe I'll try to contact Banaswamy and ask him that question. Thank you, bro. Okay, anything else? Let's move on. Text six. My dear King Parikshit, when Soma, the king of the trees and predominating deity of the moon, saw the fire and wind burning all the trees to ashes, he felt great sympathy because he is the maintainer of all herbs and trees. To appease the anger of the Prachetas, Soma spoke as follows. O greatly fortunate ones, you should not kill these poor trees by burning them to ashes. Your duty is to wish the citizens praja all prosperity and to act as their protectors. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Hari, is the master of all living entities, including all the prajapatis, such as Lord Brahma. Because he is the all-pervading and indestructible master, he has created all these trees and vegetables as edibles for other living entities. By nature's arrangement, fruits and flowers are considered the food of insects and birds. Grass and other legless living entities are meant to be the food for four-legged animals like cows and buffalo. Animals that cannot use their front legs as hands are meant to be food for uh, of animals like tigers, which have claws, and four-legged animals like deer and goats, as well as food as food grades, are meant to be food for human beings. And then Prabhupada clarifies that in the purport by saying that we should be vegetarian. <laughs> um, I'm just... Oh, okay, we're going up to uh, 14. Let me just, just one second before the... Uh, and, and just a little bit more about anger, because we didn't get into... We haven't really talked about practical life, 
and how we sometimes get angry, right? So my question to you, you can either put in the chat or go off of mute, is what works for you when you get angry? How do you calm yourself down? Um, one thing is thinking about consequences. Okay. All right. Will, will it please Guru and Krishna and, and um, you know, That's am I um, in, in their presence, will I do it? Will I do the same? That's one thing. And then uh, sometimes um, like the options, what options I have, what, what else I can choose. Uh-huh. Nice. That is quite uh, suffic. Uh, exercise, Alex says, the exercises. Yep. That you can, you know, they say that if you get the runner's mind, you can really, you know, you start feeling more peaceful. Uh, going away into my room and chant, read Prabhupada's books. Wow. Okay. If I get angry, I remember the other times I was angry and how afterwards I reflected on how stupidity, I, how stupidly I acted. Yes. Yes, we can do some really stupid things when we're angry. Take a walk. Okay. And the other thing is like, when I am angry and I have done something or spoken something in anger, there is immediately some discontent within the heart. Basically, it indicates that what I, the way I acted was not proper and it, it, it really makes me feel bad. I should not have done that or I should not have said that. So it ha- at least it, it, it's, it's in hindsight and in retrospect, but at least it helps me to formulate my behavior to be appropriate in future situations. Nice. Nice. Actually, I was, uh, I mean, I, I underwent something called somatic experience. Uh-huh, right. In that, uh, so she made me practice like feeling the anger in the body first. Uh-huh. And also before saying, uh, listening to the body. Because one interesting thing what, uh, that Mataji told was, Mind always says lies, but body tells the truth. I mean, in interesting. This yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. The whole idea of being more in tune to what your, um, how your emotions are being expressed through your body. Yeah. 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 Uh, thank you. Man says he's very philosophical. This too shall pass. David says, I find that walking away, if possible, and taking a time out. From a heated situation works well. Uh, one says, this is reaction to my previous karma. Okay. Uh, very good. Yes, that's philosophical that um, this person is getting on my case or, you know, stole my Mahaprasad or whatever it is, you know, my karma, Mahaprasad, maybe not, but other things. Uh, Jay put, I sometimes write an email to myself similar to a journal where I remove all the thoughts and anger onto the email and press send. The email address is a secondary one. So he sends it to himself. Yes, that's, that is, um, we, in my work, I often tell people, well, how about if you just kept, keep a journal for the next month and come back and see me after that? Journaling, um, is, is a powerful process. Hare Krishna. Yes, Ananda Rupa. So Prabhu, depending on our nature, actually, uh, every person deals uh, with anger differently. Like, 
um, what strategy applies to one person uh, may not be good for another person. For example, I'll take a very simple example, taking a walk. A very angry person, someone may not be really interested in taking such remedies like going for a walk or give time to calm down or, you know, and whereas there are some people, they would really understand this and they would just get out for a walk or some people like me, we, we don't give much time. Like I like to sit down and talk about it without much delay because I like to believe the more we are in anger state, we harm ourselves, we harm our environment and others. So I don't like to delay too much to talk about things which are bothering. Whereas I have dealt with people who like to time out. They need time to calm down and it could take a day or two. And which according to me is like uh, really creates a lot of restlessness. Mm. So really person to person. But these are some good ideas everybody is giving. I just wanted to share like Thank you. everybody Thank is you. different. Yeah. yeah, and thank you. And Alex says, I have a problem when the anger subsides but returns. Yeah. And Henry is quoting Srila Prabhupada, who told Peter Burwash, don't become angry at the or upset at the it's agent of your karma. Hare Krishna. Um, I also wanted to add to Mataji's, um, like what Mataji said. Um, like, I agree with her. Like, everybody has a different kind of remedies how they cope with anger um but i kind of wanted to touch upon like when like i guess in that moment when you when you're struck with some situation or um ex like that external circumstance that has that potential to trigger anger i feel like in that moment like you we it, it's basically what whatever comes up in our subconscious so I feel like um it's like the preparation that we've done before like whether it's in that like I guess the day um if I haven't done like my meditation practice that day and um you know I guess then there's more likeliness to get irritated but um yeah. but if um you know you you've already prepared and kind of like programmed yourself for the day, then any situation that comes, there's less likeliness to get irritated. Um, even I feel little irritation is a little as a form of anger, if you mm. will. Um, I like that point. That's, that's sorry, did I cut you off? That's a really important point you're making because if you you know if you've chanted in the morning and you've led a sattvic existence, you know your room is clean. And you know, quietly, peacefully taking some prashadam, it is much better chance of either dealing with a something that triggers you into anger, or or once you have some anger, you know, let, having it uh, subside much more quickly if you're in good consciousness. Yes, thank you for that. Also, Prabhuji, another important thing I just remembered. Uh, Mother Ramburu, she she gives many talks on such topics of mm -hmm. self-care. And uh, so I remember uh, one of the talks, she said that we should try to identify our feelings. And uh, rather than living bottled, keeping them bottled up inside, we should learn to name our feelings. And And there was a list of techniques or strategies like how we should talk about it uh, so that we can channel it out. 
nicely and we can have a conversation going where solution can be found so nice. yeah very nice and andrew andy wrote um i just think that for most people if they get in mind this is an opportunity for justifiable anger they are probably wrong yes yeah well you know we all have our um rational lies <laughs> and and we're very creative at at um justifying our anger sometimes yeah uh and david writes also those who have a pitta dosha will anger much more easily if he or she is hungry has not eaten properly during the day yes yes yeah, so our the you know it, it, the the body mind and of course ultimately the soul connection is is definitely there what do they call it hangry is that what they call it when you're hunger hunger is causing anger yeah or or something is happening in our lives we're in anxiety about finances or about a loved one's health we can be much more quick to be angered in such situations like that um if we've been embarrassed or um, yeah embarrassed we can be you know and, and our mind is dwelling on that we can be ang- angered very, excuse me very easily could i provide some reference from earlier cantos in bhagavatam sure so dhruv maharaj when he heard that uttam shloka was killed his brother and uttam uh, shloka's mother suruchi when she went to the forest and she was burned in the fire even dhruv maharaj lost his composure and he went to the region from which the yakshas were yeah <laughs> this person belonged to and he started shooting with Without any discrimination, means he was killing not just the men, like you know, children, women. He was just so blinded in anger, and at that time, Manu had to come and you know provide direction. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, uh, you know, people who are leaders, people who have that intelligence, need to guide the younger generation as well, because the younger generation is filled with passion. Yes, and exactly. Need direction. Exactly. Yeah, total passion. Anything else on anger? Okay, we'll continue. Yeah, I'll just add one last point. Um, I think kind of just to summarize, like I didn't give my point, like what happens. I guess like my process of how I deal with it after the fact. Um, I guess compassion and good wishes um, to the situation mm-hmm. and that individual. Um, that is one way. Um, you can kind of let like channelize i guess uh, the discomfort is by your good wishes to the situation and compassion to the individual mm. that's just my process mm. and forgiveness that papa mentions here if you you know if somebody did do something against you to forgive um we may forgive and not forget at the same time right <laughs> sometimes people have a pattern of bad behavior and we can forgive them once and we can forgive them twice but you know um we don't forget that we're keeping track you know in 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 one sense you know because uh yeah it's just we're not we're not meant to be just trampled upon if that's what someone is doing to us 
And one more thing, Prabhu, like it, it's not like we can wish away anger that it doesn't exist or it should not exist. It's anger is real. Yeah. So we have to learn to deal with anger in some better manner than what we are used to currently. So that is what it boils down to. Even looking at these uh, instances from Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah, it's not. Yes. Hare Krishna Prabhu, I would like to add something. Uh, yep. Everything has its purpose, right? So for Arjun, it was important to use anger in the fight, right? Mm-hmm. As a Kshatriya, he has to engage. So when we use our emotions incorrectly, not in the proper service, that's where it becomes a problem. And that's where it causes us to fall down and have to take reactions. In case of Arjun, Lord Krishna reminded him of his you know, prescribed duties and his, of his Sanatan Dharma as well, the constitutional position, to incite his alignment to be able to engage in the warfare so that Lord Krishna's desire can be fulfilled. So he was serving Lord Krishna. He was engaging his anger in serving Lord Krishna. Nice. And similarly, Bhishma also later had similar incident. Hare Krishna. Thank you. So, um, why don't I? Re- we only have a couple of minutes left. Well, I'll just read the translations up to, but not including 14, and we'll start at 14 next week. Oh, okay. Uh, we're up to 10, right? Oh, pure hearted ones, your father, Prachindi Barhi, and the Supreme Personality of Godhead have ordered you to generate population. Therefore, how can you burn to ashes these trees and herbs which are needed for the maintenance of your subjects and descendants? The path of goodness traversed by your father, grandfather, and great-grandfathers is that of maintaining these subjects, prajas, including the men, animal, and trees. That is the path you should follow. Unnecessarily, unnecessary anger is contrary to your duty. Therefore, I request you control your anger. As the father and mother are the friends and maintainers of their children, as the eye, this is so interesting, as the eye leader is the protector of the eye, as the husband is the maintainer and protector of a woman, as the householder is the maintainer and protector of beggars, and as the learned is the friend of the ignorant, so the king is, so yes, they're chachis, is the protector and giver of life to all his subjects. The trees are also subjects of the king. Therefore, you should give protection. Okay. So we will uh, continue next week hearing about, well, we're going to hear the... Um, very, very interesting, very philosophical prayers by Daksha. Daksha has made a spiritual comeback <laughs> after uh, leaving his body in one of the uh, Manvantars and now is in a different one. And he will offer beautiful, amazing, and very deep uh, prayers to, uh, I think there's 12 of them that we will study next week. So thank you very much, Prabhu's. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hare Krishna.